Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined by my guy Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. We've got a couple of Halloween costumes on for you guys today. I am clearly Patrick Ewing, uh, losing my hair as Trey Young is in my head. Uh, and Nate is clearly a referee with sunglasses on and probably can't see that well uh, and is also drunk because that seems to be how the refereeing is going so far this year. At any rate, we are going to be bringing you guys a couple of game videos today and our player props. Make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along. In this one, we're kicking things off with Philly at Washington. Washington on that back-to-back. Philly may be turning things around. Tyrese Maxey needs some more time. We'll talk about all that stuff up here in just a minute. Also want you to head to thelines.com. That's where we have our great written content for you guys all season long that I'm interrupting Nate from finalizing right now for you guys on those picks on thelines.com. And we have our great odds finder tool there where you can go ahead and make sure that you are using that to uh, shop those lines to the best of your ability across U.S. sportsbooks. Nate, let's jump into the lines for this Monday night slate and get into Philly, Washington. Yeah, what do we got? Seven games here on Halloween night. Uh, Philly, actually, as I just spoke, moved up to a minus five and a half. That's a damn shame. Hopefully you got them last night at minus four and a half at Washington. We're going to talk about that game there in a moment. The Kings uh, minus two and a half right now at Charlotte. I saw that open at close to a pick em. Pacers are plus eight and a half at Brooklyn. Immediate rematch there. And we will break that game down for you in a separate video. Hawks plus four at the Raptors. Pistons plus 13 at Bucks. Grizz minus three and a half at the Jazz. Another immediate rematch there. John Morant out with a non-COVID illness, most likely out. And then the Rockets are plus 10 at the Clippers. So I guess that's eight games, right? Yeah, um, yeah Philly, I think minus five and a half at this point. I'm, I'm going to suggest a teaser. But uh, I, I do think that they're going to win this game. I'm not really confident in Philly blowing anybody out at this point, but I think they are on track here in their last four or so, and Washington is off track, kind of like we saw last season. The Wizards started hot. I mean, they had a nice three, four-week stretch last season, and then they just regressed to who we know they are, which is a mediocre team with not a lot of pieces that fit. Um, I mean, they're one and three against the spread, one and three straight up their last four. Philly, the opposite, three and one against the spread as well, covering a 12-point spread to beat Indy after that rough uh, start to kind of show that they can get on track here. And really, I mean, the key has been Tyrese Maxey, who you mentioned uh, briefly in that in that intro. I mean, in his last four here, 120 offensive rating, shooting 54%, 53% from three, <clears throat> and just getting him more involved, really. I mean, get letting him push the pace and carry a bit of the offensive load here while Joel Embiid battles plantar fasciitis while Harden tries to adjust his game to the fact that he's not blowing by people anymore and and Maxi is blowing by people and Washington has had no answers for him I mean they don't really have a defensive point guard right I mean unless they want to play Hal Neto all night uh is he still on the squad I I can't even remember so no (laughs) (laughs) uh but yeah his last six you know with Mr. Neto trying serving as a turnstile in some way there he has a 135 offensive rating Against the Wiz, 143 in his last two when he actually started to get more playing time. I mean, that these these are insane per per minute numbers for Maxi, and it's just a matter of getting him more opportunities and yeah. giving him the keys to the offense a little more. Uh, Philly had won six straight against this team, uh, and then they lost two in a row. And it's not like we have a bunch of excuses for them as to why they lost. I mean, they shot 27% in a 20-point loss. They shot from, from three, that is. Um, and then... Spencer Dinwiddie out of nowhere with a triple-double to give the Wizards a 
106-103 win in Philly. Um, but if you look at the overall numbers, I mean, Embiid has his way with this team, averaging 28, shooting 55%. Like I said, Maxi is a matchup problem for him, and Harden has good numbers against the Wizards. Um, and then you just look at both these teams are good denying pain points right now. I mean, Philly's third, Washington's first in pain points allowed. Embiid's not really banging down there as much. He's not; de- They're not depending on the pain points as much. Um, or it's it's at least not traditional scoring in the paint, the way Maxi and Harden are slashing in there with that floater game, right? But number one in free throws allowed. That's what I'm looking at here is the advantage for Philly. They are number one. Um, and last year they were number one generating free throws. They're not up there yet. But right now, Washington is dead last in free throws produced on offense, and they're allowing the seventh most on defense. So if you can't protect the rim without fouling, you're going to get into trouble uh, with an Embiid-led team here. Um, and then you look at down the stretch, Philly's top 10 in both fourth quarter scoring and points allowed. And Washington has not been a good clutch team in a very, very small sample size here to open the season. But a 40% rebounding rate and a negative nine and a half net rating in clutch time makes me think if it's close, Philly's going to pull this one out. That's why I like the tease here to get it minus one. Uh, Because I I do think they're going to win the game. I'm just a little concerned about them covering uh, six at this point. Got it. Yeah, no, I I follow all of that. and, And I like the clutch numbers. Um, and, and I kind of like the trend of, of Washington um, starting out hot on defense again last year, like they did last year, um, you know, top 10 in defensive rating for all their games. It's similar to last year to me again, though, and I've kind of been waiting to fade the whiz. Um, that's that sounds like a slogan, but they they played some bad teams. Right? I mean, Chicago, Indy twice, Detroit and then Cleveland and, and Boston. And Chicago's not as bad as as I thought they were going to be this season. I think they're actually a little bit better. Um, DeMar going to DeMar. But at the same time, um, this is this is indicative of, you know, obviously the, the, the Pacers will talk about them. They've been really, really, really good on offense. Um, but, uh, you know, still, this is this is a team that their defensive numbers, even actually not against the Pacers this season, are the reason that they're, you know, seemingly in the position that they're in so far this season. I think you're still getting a a decent amount of uh, juice. I think people, though, apparently in the last like 12 hours started to feel the same way as us and and start to believe a little bit more in Washington or in Philly and uh, believe a little bit less in Washington, especially after you saw them get beat by double digits last night to Boston. So, um, you know, yeah, that 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 back to back for them uh, does does create some problems that they were eight and five and one last year. Um, but that was also in a situation where if you look at uh, about 10 of those games that they were on zero rest last year, they were a double, they were almost a double digit dog uh, in all of those games. Cause you know, Bradley Beal wasn't there for most of the season, et cetera. So I do think that record is a little bit inflated and, and this year we're going to see a little bit more of that. Um, but yeah, for, for Philly, this is going to be another slightly stars out bets up. I do think there's an opportunity for an over here at, at plus two, at two sixteen and a half or so um, just because of the fact that Joel got, Starting the paint is something that you you know they're going to be missing. Um, and Washington, yeah, look, it's it's been nice so far this season guarding the paint. But like I said, who have they played that you that you are concerned about getting in the paint uh, of, of, amongst any of the teams that they played? Uh, all of these teams are perimeter oriented teams. Uh, I guess Cleveland, you could say, would would bang down low. They only gave up 107 there. Uh, but everywhere else, if you have guards that can score on the perimeter, uh, you're about to they're about to give up a ton of points to you for sure. As we saw with Boston the other night, about 112. Um, 
so yeah, they're, they're, I'm leaning over in this game as well. I mean, you kind of said everything I, I would I would have to say about Philly um, and the fact that without Embiid in, I think the fact that that just leads you to think Maxi's going to get more time. And like I said, this Washington team is is much better at defending you down low right now than they are uh, on those wings, especially after losing KCP and, and, and such. So uh, yeah, I think this 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 leads to Philadelphia definitely you know winning this game. Uh, and then I do like the the total a little bit over. I think it's probably crept up to about. It crept up for a bit to about 220. It's down to about 216 and a half. So that's why I'm, I'm starting to eye that total a little bit more as it keeps dropping. Yeah, I mean, I love the idea if you can get him be ruled out of getting some value here with the Sixers because it's it's not like you know we're fading Embiid in any way or saying he's not valuable um it's just that they play differently and and it's going to work much better in this matchup if you're able to pick up the pace and play through Maxi a little bit more um you know who speaking of his props averaged 7.7 more points per game last season without Embiid just had monster game against the Raptors where he basically didn't miss in the first half and crushed it to lead our player props there so new friend of the show Mr. Maxi uh, but yeah, I mean, the Wiz, yeah, they're they're limiting what what you do down low with the center like Embiid anyway. Like I said, number one pain points, number two in two point percentage. Uh, they don't really capitalize on what Philly does so terribly, which is not rebound because they're twenty fifth in offensive rebounding. Like I said, not good down the stretch in terms of rebounding. I mean, both these teams are just abysmal rebounding teams. So it, it's that that kind of helps your over I suppose if you can't secure defensive rebounds you might get second chances you might get the pace freewheeling more um and and yeah I, I just think Philly is so deep now with these offseason moves that they can definitely weather an Embiid absence for a game or two or three even now uh whereas last year it was kind of like oh Embiid's out one like they're screwed but then like all of a sudden here comes Maxi giving you 35 and, and they're just fine so, yeah, I, I, yeah, it'd be interesting to see if the line moves, if he is ruled out. Yeah. And, and I'm not seeing any player props for uh, Philly still. Um, you know, you can get some some a couple of Washington players on a couple of these US sports books, but you're not going to see any Philly props until we know whether or not Embiid is playing. And if he's not, you're probably what seeing that maxi prop at about 20, 21 or so. Um, I would still take that if Maxi's prop is under like 23, 24 points. I still feel good about it. I think you're looking at a, a James Harden, uh, Tyrese Maxi show and Tyrese is going to get that ball and go. So that's also why I do feel pretty I feel better uh, about an over, especially as it sits at about 216 right now. So look, the the Brooklyn Nets don't deserve to be favored by five, six points right now. I mean, we've been on that train since the middle to end of last season, too, uh, <clears throat> when they actually had a bit more cohesion and a bit more health in terms of their supporting cast, uh, mental health in Ben Simmons case, because he's still a liability on offense. He had a nice season high nine points. In this uh, in this last game against the Pacers, but his defense regressed 131 defensive rating as a team. They let it, they let the Pacers shoot 23 for 46 from three. My Lord, uh, they gave up 17 <laughs> offensive rebounds. They lost the rebounding battle by 19 and Miles Turner didn't play. Uh, Miles Turner has been back two games. He's openly uh, asking the Lakers to trade for him and showcased his talents in a win at Washington, went for 27-10-2, five blocks, I believe, to become the Pacers' all-time blocks leader uh, with a 106 defensive rating. He was a plus 20 
So, I mean, if he plays tonight, I, I would think you are all over the Pacers at plus eight and a half, maybe on the Pacers money line as well. Look, Barclays is not a home court advantage. It is the SoFi Stadium of the NBA, which was just chock full of 49ers fans yesterday uh, in a pretty amusing scene. Uh, But I digress. I mean, the Pacers, when, you know, early in the season, there were some cries that like, oh, my God, they're they're benching Halliburton already. I think they've they haven't really done that. I mean, he's played about 38 minutes his last few here. And as long as he's out there. Their offense, you have nothing to worry about. I mean, yeah, they're second in points per game, seventh in pace, seventh in rating. And here's the key here when we talk about Brooklyn's struggles rebounding. They're number one in offensive rebounding rate, 35%, even better than the Pelicans who just put a whooping on the Nets in that opener. Um, They're number two in total rebounding, even – Without Miles Turner, like I said, Isaiah Jackson stepped in and gave him the work with 18, 10, and 4. He was a plus 25. So they have several bigs. I mean, Jalen Smith you can throw in there that is going to give the Nets problems. And the Nets have no fight in them right now. And rebounding is mostly about fight and want to. Uh, They are, you know, Indy's the fourth worst defensive rating in the league, but the Nets are the worst by four points per 100 possessions, they're that much worse. Um, so I, I could see a bit of a turnaround in terms of them not losing so badly here. Uh, but I I don't, I, you know, I, I feel like the lines almost flip. Like the, at this point, the Nets should be underdogs in, against anyone except maybe like the Rockets or, you know. Lakers. Well, you know, I, we didn't get the, you know, if, since they catch strays, I'll give them a nice um, – Nice bounty here that they they did come alive last night uh, and then acted like mm-hmm. they won the championship in the locker room afterwards in that first win. But yeah. the Lakers might might be turning a corner a little bit. I'm going to wait for about five or six more positive results before I give them any sort of steam in the betting uh, wow. betting realm. But we digress. Yeah. yeah, the Nets are playing joyless basketball. KD has a thousand yard stare where he's just like, why am I still here? And this thing is going south in a hurry. Yeah, it's it's or it started south and has continued going south. Similar to a lot of my golf shots, they start right, they stay right. 113 offensive rating, 122 defensive rating, man. Like third worst net rating in the league. Just start there, dude. Like you, you've got a team with KD and Kyrie on it, and you, you look. Maybe your defensive rating should reside somewhere uh, in the high 100 teens, right? Close to 120. It definitely shouldn't be 122, but maybe it still resides somewhere around there. You would expect this team to have 123 offensive rating then, right? 124 offensive rating. would be winning games by 125 to 119, not losing games to the Pacers by eight points with a total around 245 as, as all, most of their games have been, right? So there, there's a lot to like in this game. Like you said, if I were to correctly identify what this line should be, it's like minus one, minus two. For, for, for this Brooklyn team, like what about the last game that you just saw them play where they lost by nine led you to believe that like something's going to be better in this game? Is it, is it I mean, Ky- Katie and Kyrie had to combine for 71 points. Katie had to shoot that had to. He just happened to shoot 40, 20 splits. He was one for five from deep with a 30 percent, 32 percent usage rate. Um, there is no offense. There's your turn, my turn. Uh, they they in the bottom five in terms of assisted field goals from wherever they're shooting from. Um, they are getting to the line pretty decently. So they're still scoring points. They still have two of the best scorers 
in the league in the last, I don't know, 20, 30 years at least. I mean, KD might be the best scorer of all time. So it, it, they still got guys that are going to get theirs. Um, but this nine-point spread is absolutely befuddling. They haven't even beaten the Pacers by nine points, Nate, since April of 2021, right? So that was the very end of last season when nobody was even playing for anybody anymore. Uh, and the Nets had squarely well, secured the themselves a spot. Season. Oh, season before. Well, yeah, it's already 2022. Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So even before last season, April 22 was last playoff. So in, two, in basically two years, they haven't even beaten them by nine points. Um, all of those games that I just mentioned, there's been about seven of them have gone over 240. Excuse me. One of them did not go over 240 total points. So this we've seen what these teams do. It's been the same type of game every time these teams play. You mentioned... Brooklyn cannot rebound the ball. The ball. Indiana is uh, number one in offensive rebound rate. They're number two in defensive in, in rebounding percentage overall. Uh, and you know, like I said, Brooklyn second worst rebound uh, rebound percentage in the league. Um, they're they're allowing you know a, a bunch of uh, they're scoring points off of turnovers. Uh, is Brooklyn as guys certain guys like Ben Simmons have come in and, and are able to like at least you know create some more havoc on defense than they've been uh, been able to produce. You know, they have some long armed guys who can at least get in there and, and steal the ball and get some points off off turnovers um doesn't matter you know indiana still is not really allowing is not turning the ball over allowing teams to get points off of that in transition they both shoot a ton of free throws um which is continuing to light the over here 236 and a half sounds crazy but like I don't know. This this te- these teams score 240 points every time they play, right? Uh, they're allowing both of them are allowing their opponents to shoot in the top five in terms of their uh, effective field goal percentage. Um, it's just it's it's not necessarily like this fast paced run and gun game as both of these teams are in the bottom ten in, in pace somehow, despite the fact that they're both two of the highest scoring offenses in the league. Uh, it's just a lack of defense, a lack of rebounding on Brooklyn's part, um, a lack of any kind of you know offensive rhythm on Brooklyn's part, and I just go. Yeah, I, I would take Indy all the way at like plus five. You know what I mean? So, I mean, if you want to buy some points, I don't hate you. If you want to take a three, a plus 300 money line bet for Indy, I don't hate it uh, as they just beat this team by nine and have won two in a row against them. So it's just a really, really weird uh, spread for, for me. And, and I'm wondering who, how is this not even getting bet down at this point, you know, to, for in Indy's favor? Yeah, we talk about trying to like project game flow or the path to victory. And for the Nets, if you're the worst rebounding team by far, like, and you have two offensive players, you need them both to shoot over 60% and to get about 35 points. Like, that is the only path to victory. And then it's still going to be a close game. Like, that's basically why, why we're looking at this. Like, how would they cover nine points? I mean, it's possible that the Pacers just can't hit anything, but you're completely depending on the other team to just miss. I mean, you, you, they have no interior defensive presence. Those two guys are exhausted from the load. They have to carry on offense. And most importantly, they have no, they have no supporting cast. Like Seth Curry just came back, clearly not healthy yet. He was over five and eight, 18 minutes. Joe Harris is still working his way back after missing a year. He's not, and we, and we know the situation with Ben Simmons. Look, we don't, we don't need to harp on it. It's just, they, there's not a lot of help for those guys. And there's just not a lot of morale, obviously, um, I don't see them finding a sudden lift, lift in energy like the Lakers did again uh, right now. Yeah, they're they're the award for shit show of the year early on. And the Pacers have some depth. Um, they got Benny Matz coming off the bench now who had gave him 35 last time out. And just yet yeah, want to look at those rookie of the year odds. I mean, Paolo right now is cruising to that award. But if you want some value, Benny Matz is plus 1200. I think he has a better shot than the three guys in between them, Jay Ivey, Jabari, and uh, Keegan Murray. I think Benny 
could wind up surpassing them once the Pacers, you know, probably get rid of Buddy Heald and Turner and then, um, you know, give him the heavy usage. And there's there's definitely some value to look at him uh, pulling that award out. There is. Yeah, there is. I mean, I've been on the Palo train since I was at Summer League and was just watching him play like one of these dudes is not like all of the other ones. Right. Um, but Benny Matz. Yeah. Ben, just to be clear, Benedict Mathurin, who we're talking about here on the Pacers, uh, who heretofore Benny Matz um, is a guy who, like we've talked about all season two, can come in um, and just already has an NBA built build to him already has the uh the stamina to, to just chuck from three from deep uh without getting tired in those three those nba threes indiana scoring the fifth most points off of three pointers uh brooklyn giving up the highest percentage to the, uh, uh, three pointers to their opponents uh at 44 percent as you mentioned 50 percent from for indiana from deep against brooklyn in their last game uh benny matt six for nine tyrese also in that mix so um yeah just a lot to like from both those guys as well when buddy healed and, and miles turner do get traded um maybe this team will start to stink but we called it at the beginning of the season we were going over on these pacers uh, as they're not a team that's going to uh, really try to tank especially if you're going to leave Halliburton in the game so you're listening to the lines.com podcast network looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top u.s sports books all in one place then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust Check out the Lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Nate, let's jump into these player props that we are staying red hot with on this Monday night slate in the NBA. I'm going to target that Kings-Hornets game. Uh, definitely yes. set, speaks to a shootout. And the total somehow dropped to 231 and a half, um, was up at 233. So I would look at that over there. And I'm looking at De'Aaron Fox to continue to lead the Kings offense. Demonis Sabonis has not really been the 1B option right now. It is Fox controlling things and and having a career year. He's shooting 55% from the floor, first of all, on a 32% usage rate. It makes him one of the three most efficient guys in the league thus far. And averaging 28 points off that, getting 7.2 rebounds, which is by far the best of his career. And then, of course, he's diamond people up at 5.5 assists. I like the rebounds to go along with his points here, 30.5, because like I said, seven boards, uh, you can get him at, you know, 24 points. If he gets his average boards against a Charlotte team that, you know, plays with plenty of pace per usual, the Kings are playing at the third fastest pace. Charlotte's allowing a league high, uh, 58 points in the paint. Um, they're number one in three point percentage, interestingly, but Fox is a, a slasher. He's not, he's not going to shoot that many threes. He, and they're 23rd, in two-point percentage allowed, their defensive rating is worse at home. Charlotte allows the sixth-most points and seventh-most rebounds to point guards, uh, true to that kind of fast pace, and still no LaMelo ball. Uh, so Fox should uh, you know, have his way in that individual matchup against uh, Terry Rozier. I guess, guess it will start on him. 
Yeah, I, I think Terry missed a game or two here and there. I mean, Dennis Smith Jr. is playing really well, but that also means uh, you're not getting any defense at that point guard position for sure. That man is uh, a turnstile despite being super athletic and, and looking really good on offense for them so far this year uh, when he's had to play some big minutes. But yeah, that, that defense, and it's Charlotte at home, man. I'm going 240 totals all day, every day with Charlotte at home um, as, as they don't play any defense there, and they just run and run and run, and and, and they're they're fun to watch at the very least. Um, funner than I thought they might be without uh Lamelo to start the season, not Lonzo. But either way, yeah, Fox, 20, 25 and a half points. He's continuing to cruise. The second best offensive player in this team is Keegan Murray right now, followed probably by Kevin Huerter as, as DeMontis is still down below 15 points a game, doing other things, getting boards. But yeah, I really love the uh, the Fox bet. And I like a lot of bets in this, uh, and a lot of overs in this Charlotte and uh, Kings game. So I'm going to move on to another game that we talked about in the game video there, the Pacers and Nets. Also liked probably an over there as 240 points is about what they score the floor of what those two teams score against each other. Halliburton is the best player on Indiana, as we well know. Uh, 34 and a half points, rebounds, and assists is his prop. Gets about minus 111 on FanDuel. You can also take two and a half three-pointers made for him uh, as the Pacers shot 50% from the, from three last game, playing against Brooklyn, who gives up 44% uh, for, to their opponents from beyond the arc. 26-6-8 uh, was his total last time against Brooklyn. Uh, six of 10 from three. I mean, if he's going to take 10 threes and you're going to get plus money on two and a half three-pointers made over that like love that right you can continue to expect the possessions to be uh, you know high this game uh in his last four versus the nets obviously one of those on the uh the kings 20 points a game four boards about 10 assists that's all in 38 minutes um so when he's getting the you know the the time out there he's crushing those nets who just they, they don't defend at the point guard spot they don't really defend at any spot he's made over almost three and a half uh threes a game at 43 percent against those nets as well uh in that last four so i mean look he's already come on they're gonna have to sit halliburton if they plan on tanking because in his last five 22 game 10 assists averaging again about three and a half threes on 50 percent like the the man is is definitely you know who we thought he was and who the Pacers thought they were he was when they traded for him so against one of the worst defensive teams in the league 35 PRA for the man uh feels feels really really nice yeah I mean the Pacers as a team are just going to have their way here and Halliburton's going to be the trigger man so I I think that that's an easy call here to for him to just rack up stats and for them to be serious about sweeping this team, they 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 should play him uh, thirty eight plus minutes, sweeping them in this home and home set. Of course, I'm referring to. <clears throat> uh, I'm gonna go under on Trey Young, although I am kind of terrified by his recent game log. It's very impressive. Uh, just had a forty four percent usage rate against Milwaukee, the number one defense in the league. But I think Toronto is a team that can give him trouble with their length, and they have a shot 45% or, or worse in five of his last six against Toronto. And he's averaging what his prop is in those games, 28 and a half, but that's skewed by a 41-point outlier where he was a plus 37. The Hawks won by 27 at home. And we talked all last year about the Hawks' home road splits, and Trey was part of that. I mean, at home – Averaged 30 points, shot 48% for the floor, 41% from deep. Out on the road, 26 and a half, shot 35% from deep. <clears throat> Toronto this year, I mean, with all that length, they can throw guys at point guards, give them trouble. They're allowing the fewest field goal attempts overall, first of all. They're playing at a pace of 94 and a half. They're four and two to the under. They're allowing the third fewest points in the second half. So obviously great team defense from Nick Nurse and the club, but 
The third fewest points per game to point guards, just 17 points per game. Um, so Trey is a matchup problem for anybody. He, he is a guy who can light it up, but I think Toronto is positioned to do a decent job on him and the Hawks might use a little bit more DeJounte Murray if they have to, if uh, the Raptors are, you know, throwing OG on Trey or Fred Van Fleet or some combination of that and then see if DeJounte Murray can step up, whereas Trey's just been, you know, lighting it up the last three games while DeJounte gets gets uh, acclimated to this offense. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Um, you know, yes, an under terrifies me for Trey, but this would be one of the teams that you feel good about doing that with. Uh, and you definitely want to get him um, preferably, I guess, at home, which is kind of weird. But either, you know, for Trey, I mean, he, he just loves to be the villain, man. So, yeah, you, it's a little scarier to take him on the road. But uh, either way, yeah, 28 and a half, it's still very, very high, man. He, he has gone under that, you know, in, in three of these games this season, uh, mostly to start the season as he's been swelling <laughs> against Detroit. And then it's that Milwaukee against the best defense in the league that you you kind of get a little bit nervous about. But look, I think he also tries to bring it against Drew Holiday, who is known as probably the best defensive point guard in the league. Um, so, you know, he and, he and he plays in those big games and this is this is a big game, but it ain't Milwaukee, uh, you know, in, in, at this point in the season. So uh, I'm going to finish things off here with, I don't know, low hanging fruit. Ben Simmons under nine and a half points uh, minus one twenty five at DK. Now for him to get 10 points is even money if you go over that, you know, over nine and a half. So I'm going under. He's going to have to show me he can score 10 points. Um, it's not just the fact that he hasn't scored 10 points this season, because as you mentioned, we had to sweat out his nine points. If you took an under an under on his nine and a half point prop in the last game against the Pacers, you sweated that out as he got nine of them. But he got five free throw attempts in that game, by far the most of the season. That's a third of the free throws that he's shot this season. He shot he's, he's six for 15 on the season from from the free throw line. He shot five in the last game. He's averaging about two free throw attempts a game, making sometimes one of them at 40 percent on the season. He's got 34 field goal attempts through six games. That's five and a half field goal attempts a game. If he's going to get 10 points, he basically has to make every shot he takes, or he's going to need to throw some free throws in there, except for three games this season. He hasn't even attempted a free throw, which is absurd for someone who's six foot 10, not going to harp on it. But uh, the one position that Indiana does limit more than any other is power forward. I mean, he's not a traditional power forward, but that's definitely where he starts and where he is on the floor on offense after he gets, you know, he, they like to have him bring the ball up and then pass it to KD and run around. <laughs> and it's like, why is he even bringing the ball up? Are you just trying to make him feel involved that's fine the point is is when he does get into the offensive set and he is playing more of a four pick and roll type of uh, play uh in sort of position uh he, that's the four and that's where indiana guards you know what the, the position they guard better than any other limiting power forwards uh in, in basically in the top 10 limiting power forwards in pretty much points rebounds assists everything crucial here so like I said, man, like maybe he'll get 10 points tonight, but like the odds of him doing that with all of the ways that he's playing and the, la the lack of shots that he's even putting up, why, why would I not feel great about under 10 points? I mean, everyone's taking a victory lap for having bet this successfully the first five or so games Mr. Simmons has played. I don't think it's going to last. I mean, I think he's going to round a corner in terms of his mental confidence and there has to be a lot of discussion behind closed doors about Ben, shoot the ball, attack the rim and transition, Ben. And, and this is a game that we expect to be up and down, that we expect to be played in transition. I'm more intrigued by the plus odds on 10 points. And it's eight and a, it's right. eight and a half at FanDuel. Like I'm not taking an under on eight and a half points for guys playing 37 minutes. If you are nervous about the scoring, rebounds and assists at 15 and a half. He just had 17 in this matchup. 
I mean, say what you will about his his mental health at this point, but he's a six ten like freak athlete playing in an up tempo system in a matchup between two of the worst defenses in the league. So I'm going to go on record saying Ben Simmons turns a mini corner here and does not put up the single triple gets a double digit something and perhaps it's the points, but I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't continue to try to print money on his under. <laughs> that would be a hilarious bet. Double digit something, please. <laughs> Just a double digit something. What are those odds at for Ben Simmons? We'll find out if he can get the 10 tonight. Maybe we put a little six pack on Ben Simmons' ability to get double digit points here. It's Halloween, man. Weird shit can happen. Maybe uh maybe it's something he does put up the uh, you know more than five shots in this game. We'll see. Either way, a lot of fun tonight with these player props. A pretty good slate here tonight, Nate. I think there's some games that we're gonna enjoy watching. Definitely want to make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Continue to follow along, make sure you're getting these player props from us each and every weekday of this regular season. And until we see you next, happy betting.